Hi, I'm Sarah Shea. And I'm Strangely Duesberg. Welcome to the Pilot House. The podcast where we talk about all the shows about pilots we missed the first time around. Yeah, that sounds right. Sarah, what do we know about Tailspin? Well, I watched it a lot as a kid and have not seen a second of it since. And my memory of it sounds like I made it up. (laughs) Which is that in the early 90s, the Disney Channel Mm -hmm. made a television program that was the characters from The Jungle Book, which is a 60s Disney film based on a book from the late 1800s. 1800s? Sure. But then about animals in a jungle. But then they made it, those characters be Pilots who live in, like, the Caribbean in the 40s? Yeah, like, sort of doing, like, a 30s, 40s movie adventure serial kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah. Baloo is a pilot for a company that, like, I think moves cargo. Yeah. And he has a little sidekick who's not from the Jungle Book, a little bear child. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't remember his name. A child Um, who is a bear, not a bear child. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then there was a bear lady who owned the company named Rebecca, also not a character from Jungle Book. There are other characters from the Jungle Book, I swear. Um, King Louie, I think, like runs a bar Mm -hmm. or something. Shere Khan, the tiger, is like a businessman who's like the villain of the show. I can't remember what... Is is Bagheera in the show? And if so, what does he do? That I have... There's a blank in my memory there. And th- th- some of the, the like, Baloo already kind of, like, would walk around on two legs, and King Louie would as well. But, like, some of the other animals were more anthropomorphized for this as well. Like, Shere Khan is walking around on two legs and in, wears, like, in, power in a suits. Suit. Yeah. 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 Um, and I, th- I think Bagheera is also re- redesigned that way as well oh yeah no everybody is wearing clothes and walking upright as men right but i guess i'm yeah as men (laughs) are we not men no uh and i this also kind of had like a uh sort of an air pirates like the closest other property yeah. that I can I can th- I can bring to mind is like Porco Rosso or the uh, the air pirate sequences from Castle in the Sky, which is another oh, Miyazaki. Yeah, yeah. With mom and her her boys or whatever the it's the been pirate so queen. long since I watched that. That's vaguely familiar, yeah. but yeah, I, like I all the pirates call her mother. <laughs> She's great. I need to rewatch that. Yeah, I it it's. I've always known it was a bit of a weird premise. Well, not when I was a kid. When you're a kid, you just go, these are cartoons. Um, I recognize some of these characters. Fine. Uh, But yeah, thinking back on it, it is bizarre. But actually having to try to explain it with words, it seems even weirder. Especially because that's not that many characters. Like, what's what's the name of the snake? Is he in it? I don't think the snake is in it. Ka? Ka. Because you can't give a snake arms. So he can't be properly anthropomorphic. I mean, you think you can't give a snake arms, but based on the other bananasness that I vaguely remember from this show... Okay, fair enough. You, there very well could be. Uh, yeah, certainly Mowgli is not in this. There are no. no human beings. This is not Bojack Horseman. 
before we go watch this, Sarah, I want to tell you about, I have one very strong specific memory oh, of this show. Go to. From my childhood. Very specifically, I remember a single episode of this. And I, it, looking back, it's obvious why I specifically remember this. Because as far as I can remember, this is my first, it was my first introduction to con artist stories. Oh! So there's an episode of this where, like, a lady and her husband and they're, like, very fancy people need to get a ride somewhere. And so they book the tailspin plane. Yeah. With Baloo flying it and everything. And... There's like all this deal with like they need insurance because they have these diamonds and the diamonds are super valuable and nothing can happen to the diamonds. And so all these shenanigans keep happening where the diamonds fall out the window of the plane and then Blue like manages to dive the plane and save them and all, all kinds of things like that. And eventually it transpires that the people are con artists. The diamonds aren't valuable but they like did this insurance thing where if the diamonds are lost they get to keep the plane. <laughs> Right. <laughs> okay. That seems, you know, improbable, but sure. Yeah. So more improbable than anything else about this show. Okay. Fair enough. Other Sarah. So they just kind of do this sort of basic con artist plot, but I will never forget the scene where Louie reveals to Baloo that the diamonds are fake by like putting some of them on a rock and then just smashing them with another rock and going, see glass. And even as a child, I was like, is that just like your first way of checking? Like, do you just like hit everything with a rock? Like, I don't <laughs> like it just seemed weird to me. Like, I understand that you needed to convey that information, but like that was weird. But I, I just like I very strongly remember that specific episode. And clearly it was very formative for me. Clearly. Uh but yeah, I just wanted to share that. I don't yeah. think that episode is what we see right at the beginning. but no, probably um, not. Uh, it would be a treat if it was. It would be a treat. Well, Sarah, shall we, uh, shall we go revisit Tailspin? Let's do it. Oh, what a great plane. A Conway Gale 16, right? Good eye, kid. I call her the Sea Duck, my best friend. Customized her myself. Yeah. Well, like those engines. Superflight 100s, right? Hey, you're all right, kid. What do they call you? Kit. Kit Cloud Kicker. Oh, glad to meet you, kid. I'm gonna buy a plane one day. I <laughs> hope your folks are rich. I don't have any folks. But I'm gonna be rich. And real soon, too. Well... If you're going to get a plane, you better know how to fly it. Me? Really? <laughs> Knock yourself out. Wow! Hey, relax, little princess. Just hold her steady. That's it. Say, you're a dandy. Yeah, but I can't get my license for five more years. But when you do, you'll be a regular ace. What was that? Back on the corner where I hang out, we call that pirates. So, <laughs> we just watched all 90 minutes of the four-part tailspin pilot. 
quote which, unquote. Which originally aired as a, a made-for-TV movie. Well, I'm I'm actually curious how it did because they clearly planned it to be able to be chopped into four episodes. Each episode ends with a like, what will happen next? Yeah. You know, uh, which I did see something online about it possibly be having a small theatrical release. It, it, well, it won a primetime Emmy. Oh, for really? Best uh, animated program over an hour long. But I mean, like, how how, how big many? is that category? Yeah, how many are there? Because look, it's it, it, we watched it and uh, nostalgia and all of that. But the I, I mean, animation the, is not great. It is. Well, it's wildly <laughs> uneven. Yes, yes. There were scenes that were better than others. There were scenes where. The, the first scene with our villain, Don Carnage, mm-hmm. I was like, what, did they have to do some like rewrites or something with this guy? Because a lot of old kids cartoons for TV, the the animation of that character's mouth does not particularly match right. what they're saying. Or there's a lot this of was, reused animation. Yeah, but this was really bad. Like it was disconcerting it was confusing to watch him talk because his mouth did not match at yeah. all it, it felt like watching a dubbed live action movie I'm like what is happening but before we go any further yes uh let's let's talk about what we said in our what we know uh, yes i think we this is another one where we we pretty much remembered this as it was well, yeah, uh, I don't think anything we said was wrong, although the internet says it's supposed to be set in the 30s. I felt like it was enough of a fantasy version yeah. of reality that it's like 30s, 40s. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's not, uh, it's, you can't pin it down to a specific year. Something I did not ex- especially remember was that it's straight up diesel punk. Oh, like, yeah. There are giant uh airships mm-hmm. the the pirate but piracy is a is a very big business apparently in this world because yeah there's this giant gleaming you know 1930s like art deco city there's the pirates flying around and like every one of the pirates has his own little like magical plane mm-hmm. with infinite bullets uh yeah i i i had forgotten that the technology was extremely magical especially Completely forgot that Kit, the, the little sidekick bear, mm-hmm. has a magical hoverboard. Well, I, I don't that think it's a surf hover- on the air. Yeah. I think well, it's, it's, it's meant to be like a, a flying wing he can stand on. Yeah, it's it's basically yeah he 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 can't just lift off on its own. Yeah, but he, if he can hook onto a plane or something, he can kind of like cruise behind it. And I I was watching it like, where did this come from? This doesn't match. The sort of Indiana Jones, 30s, 40s, adventure serial plus magic, the heightened like steampunk version of that. So I looked it up and yes, Back to the Future 2 came out the year before this. So there's your answer there. (laughs) What if this kid had a hoverboard is the question they asked and they said, yes. Yeah, the, the, the thing that I didn't remember from this was how aggressively they're trying to call back to the jungle book especially the blues lines there's so many places where it's like got it like he calls the he calls kit little britches but then there's like there's other just like there's like a scene where like him and kit kind of have a reconciliation and kit's like thanks papa bear and i was just like wow you really gotta gotta get those uh 
They're like, oh, yeah, lay some skin on me. It's like Baloo has to say every line yeah. that he said in the Jungle Book again. Yeah. Well, and the, you kind of set up a little bit of the beginning. And then the first si- time we see Baloo, like a few minutes in, yeah. he's at King Louis' bar, which is, I forgot this part, on its own island. Delightful. There is no dialogue before we are immediately setting up a musical number. And yeah. all the setups for the musical numbers, well, there were two big ones. Yeah. Both of them had really weak setups. It's like the songs were already written and then they had to, which happens frequently with yeah. animation. But like the first one is like King Louis like, boy, working in this bar is like working in a zoo. <laughs> and Baloo's like, you got to take a le- lesson in relaxation from me just for the bareness. Oh, sorry. We didn't get that. Uh, we can't, we can't use that song. Okay. Uh, another song about taking things easy and being chill, you know, yeah. just gets right into this song about like, I'm gone. I'm gone. Which is vague. That was such a forgettable song. Like it, it did not really set up. It, it set up a vague sense of, I guess this guy's laid back. Yeah. But you could have gotten that from the intro to the song and not remembered a single word of the song itself. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't stick around. He doesn't deal with stuff. He's just gone, man. He's gone. It's like, <laughs> this is very 60s. Past the cocaine. <laughs> it, it is fascinating watching this because I know that from this era, there are a lot of animated things that are like, well, it's for kids, whatever. Kids, kids are happy with whatever. And I definitely was one of those kids mm-hmm. watching this. It was like, oh, they're flying around in, in planes and they're having adventures and this yeah. is great. I'm having a good time. It's what I want it to be. And watching it as an adult, I'm like, occasionally this show hits heights. Like some of some of the animation in this was, was gorgeous and kind of had a look very reminiscent of Batman the Animated Series where they're like... Really yeah, the beautiful. design was, was really great. Yeah, and there was some really beautiful like painted backgrounds and sort of... Like some of the the wide shots establishing locations and things. There's yeah. clearly a lot of imagination happening. Yeah. But they don't quite pull it off in execution because it, it, yeah. it kind of feels like they they were working on it and they were really going for a high quality product and then at some point it's like, oh shit, we it's due it's due when? Yeah. <laughs> Wednesday. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> Well, I'll put on a pot of coffee. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, the as bonkers as the concept is, yeah. The the all the visuals and the kind of setup of the world are pretty good. Um, yeah, it's just like the there are moments where the animation just fails. I mean, when Don Carnage like storms into Louis and he's appearing in the doorway. I, I, my best guess is that he was supposed to be in shadow mm-hmm. for some reason. We've already seen him, though, so there's yeah. no reason for him to be hidden. But what it looked like was that he was wearing a blue mask over his face. And then the next shot, you just see his face. And yeah. I was like, did he take off the mask? Oh, no, that was an animation error. <laughs> it's, it's like they drew the shape of his head and then they just filled it in with blue. Yeah. And they were like, well, we'll make it look like a shadow later. I don't know. There's this phenomenon that I became aware of after listening to a podcast interview with Edgar Wright, who made a, you know, uh, Shaun of the Dead and Baby Driver and he's the uh, mm-hmm. British sure. filmmaker. He was talking about his very first film and how he had to make it feature length to get into some certain film festival. And, and Oh, the film I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, the film he'd made was only like 80 minutes and it needed to be 85. Yeah. And so he did all these things to sort of stretch it out. Just, just yeah. stretch it. Just a few more seconds of this person walking in, yeah. you know. 
And and one of the things that is very apparent watching this is that there are certain shots where someone goes, look over there. And then the camera will like the view will switch to what they're looking at and it'll be like an empty tunnel. Yes, and yeah, silence yeah. and nothing. And then like two seconds later, you hear the, the guys yelling and like see them running out. But it's yeah. like, they're like, oh, we're going to hold on this still shot for just a little while longer. Yeah. And there's, there's quite a few spots where it's like, just going just gonna to stretch it out. Yeah. Just stretch, 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 stretch it out. That, that may be. I thought that was like, they were supposed to animate something or draw something else in that and then they just used the blank cell that didn't have the yeah. moving door over it or something like that. Yeah, 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 like they're they're trying to escape from the pirates at one point and Baloo is like, look, trouble. And it's just like a, a tunnel leading to a door. Yeah. And then he looks back and sees the pirates and goes, bigger trouble, and then runs for the door. And I'm like, but what is the trouble with the door? Yeah. What is wrong with the door? The door looks fine. And it was fine. There's also several times where something is done that looks like it's going to, like, hold up somebody. Uh And then nothing happens. It's like, Kit manages to uh, break the bridge, a hole in the bridge that the pirates are chasing him. Oh, it was just a small hole and they just ran right over it? Okay. But there's no moment of them stopping or him going, that'll slow him down. And then it doesn't. And he's like, oop. It just, it just happens. Yeah. So there's a few things like that where I'm like, was that supposed to be different? Was something missing? Was something lost or added? It's hard to say. <laughs> the, oh, this is so frustrating. I get, like, because of the, the parts of it that are good are really good. And like, like when this is good, it's really fun and it shines and there's so much imagination on display, but the execution is not up to the imagination. Mm-hmm. Like, I know I said that already, but like, I, on the one hand, I really like this and I was like, oh, I'm having so much fun and like this adventure in this like heightened thirties diesel punk world. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I'm like, this is some really dodgy animation. Like this... Yeah. feels just like something that a major corporation shat out onto television. And Honestly, was like, there were I, there was something I noticed that I was like, they just they just kind of ran out of energy towards the end or something. Mm-hmm. Like, have you ever seen something in a cartoon where you could tell that the original sketch for the character design included something that made sense? And as it got drawn over and over and the budget got a little smaller and smaller Mm -hmm. and the animation got lazier and lazier, that element just kind of like stretched and and shrunk and became something else. Like Rebecca is supposed to be wearing one of those like uh, jackets that's got this like um, uh, stretchy band at the bottom, right? It's like a leather jacket and then it's got a cuff at the top and it's got a cuff at the bottom. Like a waist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was supposed to have one of those and it was in the first appearance of her, it is clear that that is what she is wearing. It's been made a little bit longer and it's sort of fitted to the shape of her waist because cartoon, but it's clear that's what it is. By the end, it looks like she just has a scarf tied around her waist or something, like a giant scarf that is the exact same shade as the rest of her jacket. It's like not clear that it's something. It's like she just got this really weird like corset made out of a scarf or something. And I was like, they just kind of lost the plot <laughs> with that one. It seemed like maybe towards the final episode they were kind of uh, maybe in a hurry. Yeah, it's oh, it's just so wildly uneven. Yeah. But there's some really, really great stuff yeah. going on. For a product made for children, there is a real strong element of actual danger in this. Like the, when the, the pirates are shooting g- machine guns at yeah. the plane, 
the plane is getting hit. Like bullet holes are appearing. Yeah. When you know when it's like, oh no, we got to get away from these guys. It it feels real. There's a certain amount of sanitization that I feel has happened in a lot of children's animation over the last 20, 30 years from a lot of the stuff I remember watching as a kid where, you know, it's like, oh no, we got to get away from those bad guys. It's like, what, wh- why they're, well, they, they, they're shooting beanbags at us or what, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but it's like, it, it's sort of that like mentality where they, they digitally replaced all the guns that the police had in ET with walkie talkies <laughs> where it's yeah. like ch- children understand danger and the mechanics of threat. And I think if you make a world that's too sanitized, it, it doesn't, something is lost. Yeah. Like there's some sort of like critical component of uh, feeling like the heroes earned what they get. And this definitely has elements of that where it's like, the pirates have guns and swords and they, like they're threatening and not nice. They're not yeah, nice. There they're are super guns fun. on their, their planes. Their yeah. planes have guns. Yeah. But then when it's hand to hand, it's all swords. Yeah. It's because, because. <laughs> but then on the flip side, it's like everybody's planes crash over and over and over yeah. again. The and sea are duck just is, like basically fine. Yeah. The sea duck is Baloo's plane. Or Rebecca's playing, depending on what point in the episode. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it gets completely destroyed. And at one point, like, painted in ridiculous colors by Rebecca, which that is just gone later. Yeah. It's... I, <laughs> the, the, the magical sea duck getting repaired overnight thing, I would almost be annoyed by it, except that... They took the time to establish that the the mechanic, the, the mechanic Wildcat, that yeah. character I'd totally forgotten about. That Wildcat is like literally magic because yeah. in his character introduction, Baloo smashes the phone to bits and is like, "Oh, Wildcat, I think something's wrong with the phone." And then Baloo's like, 10, 9, 8, yeah, seven, seven. And then Wildcat's like, "Oh, I fixed it," and it rings. It's like it's for you. Yeah. Yeah, so they, they, they took the time to hand wave that, yeah. but they only mention fixing the plane twice. Yeah. The plane just fixes itself with no mentioned intervention at least two or three other times. Yeah. I can think that one time they like arrive late at night and then like fall asleep and when they wake up in the morning, I think, it, I think that might have been before the introduction of Wildcat. The the oh, the, yeah. ni- the first, the first uh, uh, when they go to get the, the MacGuffin, <laughs> the stone. <laughs> The jewel, the treasure, the uh, the action piece. When they first go to get that, they get shot up pretty good. And then they go home and just, like, go to sleep. Despite the fact that, like, there is a specific time limit that has been given. Yeah. That the bank is going to repossess his plane at 9 a.m. in the morning. And he just, like, goes, well, let's go to sleep. And then it's, like, afternoon. And he's like, yeah. tomorrow we'll deal with that. And I'm like, uh, it's kind of, kind of immediate problem <laughs> what another thing i had no idea was that the pilot set up uh, it got the gang together yeah you know i just watched the show and it was like here's the setup rebecca owns the business and baloo is the pilot but apparently baloo originally owned the business and ran it into the ground because he's too laid out man and then uh rebecca comes in and kind of t- tries to overmanage it and then they kind of get a bit of a uh some kind of uh, equilibrium at some point where she's yeah. no longer making them wear cartoonish bellhop costumes. But, and my vague recollection of sort of the, the series as a whole 
is that there's some sort of symbiosis. Like she owns the business and handles all of that stuff. And then it's like, he owns the plane, but she's constantly like having some sort of lean on the plane. You know, there's sort of like, yeah, there might be something like that. I mean, they do end with her owning the plane again. It would have been kind of cool if they ended with him being like, I own the plane. She'd be like, well, I own the business. I guess we'll have to work together or yeah. shake hands. But no, she owns the plane at the end. Although the plane and the business seem to be one and the same. They kind of go back and forth. <laughs> like there's a, there is a building which Baloo lives in. That mm-hmm. is the headquarters. And she, she only ever shows one piece of paper. The yeah. magical deed that whoever has their hands on it owns the plane. She just says, like, this is it. I'm going to live here until I find an apartment in the city or whatever. It's like, okay, but Baloo lives here. So what's what's going on? What's happening right now? It's not important. Kids don't care about business and deeds. This also has... I know we're jumping all over the place, but yeah. like this jumped all over the place. <laughs> There's this weird phenomenon that happens in shows and worlds populated entirely by anthropomorphic animals where, like... I'm always confused if it's like there are there are fan, you know like the animals all are meant to be like separated by species or whatever or if it's like uh you know a a bear and a lion have a child and it's like a gorilla like be, you know because <laughs> the animals are like embodying people yeah but I would imagine they never get into that. I mean, no, I mean they don't. But yeah. it's just like it's the it's the kind of thing that like if you stop and think about it for a second, yeah. as I have just done, it's like <laughs> what is going on here? Because her uh, uh, Miss Cunningham's daughter is clearly the same kind of animal as her. Yeah, although a different different color fur. So uh, mm. just saying, where's uh, where's Mister Cunningham or whoever? I bet, uh, I bet her, uh, if they ever get into Molly's dad, it's going to be like he was a pilot and he, he died in an accident or something yeah. like that. There's just, yeah, there's, it, it is one She's of She's a war widow without them ever actually saying that this world had a war. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I'm sure there's some like YouTube channel, uh, you know, deep dive explainer video where someone's yeah. like, well, see, this is actually, uh. You know, Baloo is a, a veteran from the First World War, and had, you know it's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I do wonder if they they clearly made our four main characters like the business. Uh-huh. They're all bears. Yeah, Kit is a bear. He doesn't have to be a bear, right? He could. Mm-hmm. He just he's just an orphan that Baloo takes under his wing. <laughs> if eh. you if you get to my meaning, Rebecca is just this random lady who happens to buy the business. She doesn't help, so have to be a bear. And I wonder if they did that on purpose because they wanted the four of them to kind of look like a family or because they wanted the opportunity to possibly have some uh, romantic overtures between Rebecca and uh, Baloo at some point in the future. And they were like, we don't want to get into the weirdness of like interspecies dating. (laughs) Right. And yet there's the scene in this where she like flirts with the guard and he's like some sort of. I don't even remember what kind of animal he was supposed to be. It's that cartoon thing where you just, like, a lot of people are not clearly a specific animal. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's an animal with, like, weird antlers, but then it's like, the, it, he's wearing, like, a Viking helmet. That guy is weird. <laughs> um, okay, let's let's do a little bit of, of, should we do a little bit of a recap of the plot? Kind of just 
a real quick... Sh- sure. I'm not sure I could get it in order, but I will... If, if you take the lead on it, I think okay. I can help you. I can help you. So let's go for it. Okay, Sarah, take the wheel. Oh, 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 You really had to get in the kind of like uh, rapping part. Yeah. Uh, Spit it. oh and the laugh so good Uh, let's start with the theme song just a little bit about the theme song because i definitely remembered this theme song very well Mm -hmm. uh the uh the the, not the uh, 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 not that pit right at the beginning that was oh that part forgotten that like as soon as that as soon as i i didn't I wasn't thinking about it before we watched this, but as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, and we're back. Yeah. No, no, no. Once I heard it, I remembered it. But yeah, it, it was not part of my existing memory of the song. It was just the O-E-O, tailspin, O-E-O, tailspin, with another tailspin, spin it, spin it. Like that part I remembered very clearly. So yeah, you got the montage and there were four episodes it's at least released now. It exists on the streaming as four episodes. And we watched the theme song sequence twice of the four times. We only skipped it for the middle two. Yeah. Because it is it is one of the good theme songs. And honestly, I just want to take a moment for the whole Disney afternoon. Because that's where this show aired. Yeah. I believe the pilot was like the, the special like premiere event was on the Disney Channel Mm -hmm. and then this was part of the Disney Afternoon because we did not have the Disney Channel when I was growing up. But the Disney Afternoon which I think was on Fox maybe? That scans for some reason but I have no idea why. Yeah I might be wrong about it being on Fox but there was a programming block Mm -hmm. in the afternoons on some uh, you know right after school lets out right? right? That was all Disney shows and I remember it starting. Like, I don't know what year. I'd have to look it up. But I do remember it being a thing. Like, ads coming on and being like, the brand new Disney afternoon. Like, and that included Darkwing Duck and Tailspin and... DuckTales? DuckTales. Other non-duck shows. I'm trying to remember what was the... Goof Troop. Goof Troop was the Disney afternoon as well. Like, it, it contained a lot of shows that were not just movie the series. Because there were some of those, right? And I think those some of them were part of the Disney afternoon, the Aladdin series. Yep. But there were more of them that were kind of original ideas using existing characters. Like DuckTales and Darkwing Duck was a totally original character, I believe. Although he technically exists in the DuckTales universe. Yeah. And, and Launchpad is a crossover character. Yes. But other than that, the the concept of of Darkwing Duck, I think, was original to the show. I might yeah, be wrong. I, I mean, the concept of someone <sighs> dressing up as a caped crusader yeah. <laughs> late at night was invented for Darkwing Duck. Yeah, absolutely, it had never exist. Yeah. No, the word vigilante was in fact coined for Darkwing. Um. Anyway, uh, I think uh, Bonkers was also. On that, I don't know if you remember that. It was not one of the more popular shows. I, I, that rings zero bells with me. It was a bobcat cop who had a human partner who was kind of like, you know, in the um, Batman, the animated series, there's the cop. I'm sure he's an existing character, but I can never remember his name. And I just remember him in the cartoon. He's like the big guy who's like fucking Batman. That piece of shit. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, I know the, the cop. cop. Yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah. so basically kind of that guy. 
on bonkers. Anyway, um, not the same character, but like that kind of vibe. Anyway, Sorry, the, the the like zoned out look of confusion on my face is I'm just like picturing this bonkers show that you're describing and it's just like completely yeah well here here's what help it might help i learned only recently that originally bonkers was designed to be a roger rabbit tv show within the world where there are cartoon characters and there are human beings right okay and roger rabbit becomes a cop for some reason uh, but then for some reason they didn't want to use a Roger Rabbit character or they couldn't use a Roger Rabbit character. And they ended up creating this bobcat named Bonkers who's just wacky. He's wacky and he causes trouble. There you go. That's all you need. Anyway. Um, oh, 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 That one has a more forgettable theme song. But I'm sorry. I got, I went down a Disney afternoon spiral. But like the Darkwing Duck theme is iconic. The Goof Troop theme is great. DuckTales, obviously, is like one of the most famous theme songs of the millennial mind. (laughs) But anyway, it was, it, it was, I just want to take a moment. Yeah. There were some really good theme songs in that block. I don't know if there's a reason for that. Some historians may know. There was one person who was in charge of all the theme songs and they were a genius. Yeah, well, it's, it, it seems like there's a lot of, at least with, with Tailspin, to get back to this one, there's no, uh, there's no requirement to explain the premise in the theme song, which I think like prior to mm. that, uh, or at least my, like a lot of TV show theme songs that have to explain the premise, particularly on kids shows. It's like you use that opening credit sequence to kind of like sell the thing. And this doesn't, it's just like, it kind of shows you a bunch of like, okay, they fly planes. Yeah. That's it. They have, there are pirates. There are air pirates. These yeah. guys fly planes. Weaponized pineapple. Yeah. That's all you got. That's, <laughs> that's all, all you got. need. That's all you uh, need. And so it's just kind of like, yeah, just, just make a cool song. Yeah. Uh, which I would, I would think would sort of open up creativity. Like it, it's, it's sort of like the opposite of what happened in the the late aughts and early teens, where theme TVs TV shows just had the title card, and it would be like f- a five second musical sting, and yeah. you can't really establish. You know, it'd be like a fanfare or whatever. Yeah, but he, that that's the Batman fanfare from the the uh, Danny Elf, Danny Elfman composition that actually is iconic. <laughs> Oh, man. Sarah, we should do a whole episode of Pilot House just talking about TV show themes. Yeah, it's almost like we have strong feelings about them. <laughs> so anyway. the Tailspin opening theme ends. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, and we uh, establish uh, there is an air pirate. And his name is Don Carnage, which is a cute name. And he is voiced very humorously by the great Jim Cummings. Unfortunately, he is also a racist stereotype. <laughs> of, That's a French person. I'm pretty sure he was supposed to be uh, uh, Spanish speaking. I mean, he's I mean, whatever he's, he's supposed to be doing. He is all over the place. Yeah, I mean, he is all over the place. I think that was the kind of character they're going for. Hence, Don Carnage. He is like all of Europe in a blender. Yeah. All of all of Europe except England <laughs> in a in blender. A blender. Uh, there is a scene where he's pretending to be, uh, to, is a part, a bit of subterfuge. He is, uh, pulling a, uh, a gondola. Yeah, and pretends to be a gondolier. And he's singing, and I was like, 
before you see what's happening, you just hear him singing "O Solo Mio," and I'm like, "Oh, he's Italian now. Oh, this is part of a of a, a bit of yeah. of pirate fuckery." Okay, that's fine. I'm like, "Oh, jeez, he's all over the shop." That is a little unfortunate. It's like, haha, humorous foreigner. But Jim Cummings is doing a great whimsical job with it. Yeah, I I did not peg it as anything specific. It just no, I, it's, I, it's I, not. I totally it's vaguely that, uh, this guy's a foreigner, and that's hilarious. He's just like that uh, Dylan Moran stand-up bit where he's pretending to be French, but his accent <laughs> is falling all over the place, and then he yeah. goes, "Where are you from exactly?" He goes, "I don't know. I'm Euro trash. Shut up." Yeah, it's it is that vaguely. Spanish, French, Italian, sort of romantic European figure. You know, it's a type of character that appeared in, I think, a lot of uh, early uh, Hollywood films. I mean, uh, talkies, yeah, anyway. Like, like, I am the Count of Blibbity Blub Blub. Yeah. And the, yeah, the, um, the kind of character for wh- for whom the vague term Latin lover yeah. was created, right? It's like, where are you from? I don't know. It's not important. I am just very exciting. The, the character also reads like he talks that way because it's like his affectation. That's true. Because nobody else in this universe talks like that. No. None of his no. hench- henchmen, like nobody around, like there's, it's not like there's yeah. like a whole realm of... You know, it's like all his pirates are like, Captain, that we go. Yeah, there's that one guy. Oh, he was my favorite character design of all of the henchmen. The, the droopy, sad, like weaselly guy. No, no, sorry. I was thinking of the. See, that's why all the accents were all over the place. Yeah. I didn't even know who you meant. The like bulldog kind of guy. I think it had like a. Oh, the one named Dump Truck? Yes, yes, that's right. His name was Dump Truck. He had a top hat and like a scarf. I don't know. I, I, I'm now it's all kind of vague to me, but I loved his character design. And he yeah. was like, but wait, where are we going? He was like a little bit, sometimes he sounded German and sometimes yeah. he sounded Russian. It was another one of those, where am I from? I don't know. <laughs> but I'm from somewhere. Yeah, it, it, it was, all of the accents were having a great time. Although they also had, um, oh, what's his name? Muttley? Is that, well, yeah, is that yeah, the character? Yeah, I'm here, 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 here. No, 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 not that, that one. Um, the, the, um, he was one of the uh, henchmen, the pirates, who he would just like... Oh, yeah, the He whisper only spoke guy. in whispers, but he would like, like a flea-bitten dog. Yeah. I was like, isn't that a Hanna-Barbera character? It very well could be. It's, it's a th- he's the thing. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, where is that from? I thought that was a Hanna-Barbera thing, which maybe Disney owned hanna-barbera at this point i don't know um but yeah no that um the guy who shows up he's like a a groundhog or something a beaver the guy from the bank the guy from the yeah. bank who shows up is like um excuse me the bank will be uh, taking uh, possession of your plane tomorrow at nine o'clock in the morning yeah that was uh, like such a specific voice and there were several characters on here that had a specific voice and i was like I'm just going to assume every unnamed character or like one one two-line character who had a voice that sounded familiar, I'm just assuming those are all Frank Welker because he did additional voices on this. So yeah. I'm just like, yeah, probably all Frank Welker. The only other na- voice I recognized was Rob Paulson as the rabbit doctor. Mm-hmm. And he was just doing Yakko Warner. It was like, yeah. eh, I know that guy. <laughs> I know that voice. <laughs> Give me that voice. Oh, beautiful. Anyway, um, 
it was it was a buffet of voices I remember from my childhood, basically. <laughs> anyway, we were trying to do a recap of this story, and I was supposed to be taking the wheel, so yeah, I apologize. Yeah, and you just jumped right into, hey, it's that guy. <sighs> okay, oh, damn it. I just couldn't help myself. Fair. I mean, this pilot was all over the place, pun intended, and... Uh, it's just kind of, this is the kind of thing that just, you just kind of want to jump around and talk about things as they come to mind. Yeah. Because the, the plot just concerns, like, there's a MacGuffin, it's a, it's a, it's a diamond that has a very particular shape. Uh-huh. That looks rather like a very particular adult object uh, that maybe casts some light on Shere Khan's personal proclivities but we won't go into that it gets stolen from Shere Khan by the air pirates then kit steals it from the air pirates and then we basically get four episodes worth of the thing getting stolen back and forth and yeah. hidden and they think it's a treasure and, they yeah. think it's a jewel it turns out it's actually like this incredibly powerful power source which explains why it was being transported in a tiny treasure chest yeah a jewel encrusted treasure chest and it all leads up to the pirates actually use it to build a giant lightning gun and attack. Cape Suzette is the is the town that this hell happens in. And I went, in the very same moment, I went, oh yeah, that was the name of the town. And I did not know until this moment, hearing it with adult ears, that that is a joke on Crepe Suzette. <laughs> that is hilarious. I never, when I first heard of Crepe Suzette, as a, as a human being, whenever that came across my path, I didn't go, oh, like Cape Suzette on Tailspin. Like, clearly, it had faded from my memory by the time I heard it. Anyway, nicely done. A little something for the grown-ups that wasn't dirty. <laughs> and it, it just, like... Yeah, I, I mean, we could we could get into the plot of this, but it's basically just it's yeah. a it's a treasure hunt for this MacGuffin yeah, that keeps yeah. changing hands. Meanwhile, uh, there's a battle for kind of control of the business between Becky and Baloo, and there's the matter of uh, Kit is an orphan who was adopted by the pirates. He stole the jewel in order to escape the pirates and buy his own plane someday and become a pilot. And in, instead, he kind of ends up being adopted by Baloo, who makes him his navigator. There's a moment where Kit very obviously pretends to be working with the pirates in order to let Baloo and Rebecca escape from the pirate compound. Mm -hmm. And Baloo, despite the fact that it's very obvious what Kid is doing. is like, he betrayed us. I'll never trust anyone for the rest of my life. And then, in a very, with very little persuasion, again, goes, oh, he actually wasn't betraying me. I got to save him. So it, it ends with them being like a little bit of a family, including uh, uh, Rebecca's uh, daughter, Molly, who, of course, has been bouncing around and saying adorable little kid lisp things uh, throughout the whole episode. Yeah, that's, so that's yeah, that's it. There you go. We got it done. Go, if you vaguely think you're interested in all the ins and outs of this plot, just go watch it. It's yeah. on De Plus. It's it's fun. Yeah. Shall we shall we get to our segments? Yeah. Or... We'll see if there's anything left to say that we haven't already covered. Well, well there is one. I have one specific. That okay. I'm, I'm yeah. Holding back. But, oh, uh, all right. Let's let's. You're more constrained than I am. Let's get into it. Where did the money go? In this segment, we speculate on where they spent the money for a particular episode of 
a show that we were watching for a particular episode of this podcast. <laughs> well said. It was very tortured, but <laughs> I, I got it out. Yeah, whether things were all splashed out on one element or very evenly spread. And I think we can perhaps agree this was not super even. No, it it feels sort of, as, as I said earlier, that they had spent a lot of effort and time on about half of this and then needed to fill it in to to make it longer or like extend some of the action scenes or they repurposed animation that was intended for other action scenes and kind of like Frankenstein it together. It just, it doesn't feel like a very uh, well-produced piece of media in the sense that it's not even. Yeah. Some shots look amazing and are almost on the level with like a, a Miyazaki film. There's some really nice moving backgrounds, some beautiful cloud cloud scenes there's there's some almost 3d looking stuff where it's like flying through the clouds that looks Mm -hmm. really good and then there's stuff where it's just like it looks like two pieces of construction paper with like another little thing getting sort of slid across it yeah it's just like there's scenes where don carnage's face is blue Yeah. yeah uh so clearly they weren't spending all the money on the animation uh and the songs were not super memorable no uh, the uh, Don Carnage's villain song is, we're pirates. Pirates do pirate things. That brief could be made into a good song. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. It, it, but it wasn't. Uh... And, and the kickoff to get them into that song is, aren't we robbers? No, don't you remember? We're pirates. <laughs> like, how, how did this guy forget they were pirates for a minute there? It's not important. It gets us into the song. I would say the, I think the character designs and that kind of initial premise building stuff might be. The design, this clearly is something that spent a lot of time being designed in terms of like what the world looks like and the character design. You're you're right. I think that's where, I, I wonder if this lingered in development hell for a while. Because you look at, this came out in 1990 and... When did the first Indiana Jones movie come out? 1983? I do not know. I want to say earlier in the 80s. That was kind of that like wave of uh, 50s nostalgia action movie. So this is kind of late to that party of sort of that particular type of of thing. And so I wonder if this was something that had been getting kicked around for a while and and just they couldn't quite get, get it right. Yeah. Because... As as dodgy as the animation is, the character designs are pretty consistent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. This this is a, a like the kind of thing that I would love to find a, a tell all book about the the development history of this because I, I feel like yeah. in some ways there's very strong authorial voice putting this together, and in some ways it's just like I don't know. Uh, he throws a pineapple. Yeah, it was a manga. Oh, I was thinking of the opening credits where he throws a pineapple. And the same thing happens? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's a very good attack. Throwing a piece of fruit through your propellers to hit so the guy. So it slices it into rings, which then go exactly around your <laughs> opponent's eyes. Yes. If you remember that moment from the intro sequence, it happens with a pineapple there. And in the pilot, it happens with a mango. Which also gets its middle cord out. Yeah. I don't know where the pit went. <laughs> Perfect rings. That's a, he should really just, just patent that technology, yeah. the, the slicer. Honestly, it makes more sense with the pineapple because 
it does it, pineapples don't naturally have an empty core but you see pineapples sold or served in rings yeah so it makes sense that a person would go, haha, he slices the pineapple and it becomes rings, you know, like pineapples do. Whereas with a mango, that doesn't make sense because mangoes aren't usually served in rings. I would dare you to somehow cut up a mango so that you can preserve rings. How? Cliffs and chips. In this segment, we talk about kind of future predictions for the show, uh, ideas about maybe a season one cliffhanger, uh, maybe some relationships we'd like to see develop in certain directions. Uh, Obviously, we've both seen some amount of this show, but do you have any thoughts? I like the vague idea that, that Baloo and Miss Cunningham have kind of a, maybe a vaguely, uh, I don't want to say will they, won't they, but there's like sort of a uh, familial chemistry. Yeah, it, it it's with them, it's not a will they, won't they smooch. It's a will they, won't they get along. Yeah, and I, I, I like setting that up that kind of their, the, the primary tension between them is uh, disagreement over this business as opposed to a like, like, I like that when he first saw her, he wasn't like humming, humming. Right, you know, like, yeah, wasn't he's any just of like, that. get out of here, lady, we're closed. Yeah. And, and so, like, the in terms of kind of wanting to see that relationship develop, watching the two of them learn to work together, I think, like, that's a really fun thing to contemplate as the show goes on. Uh, Although it is a kid's show, so yeah. <laughs> they probably won't. I, I would imagine in the very first regular episode, they will have reached a level of equilibrium where they're still fighting about things, but nothing major. Baloo is no longer trying to get away from the business. Yeah. Um, and they just kind of bicker yeah. and that's pretty much it uh <laughs> you tell me to speculate and then you remind me it's a kid's show i'm sorry damn it sorry <laughs> I, I know with kids shows there's not that much you can do with the speculation but that's something we've run into a lot in the in our nick at night season mm-hmm. um it was amazing we were able to find so many nick at night shows that were about pilots for this show but you know there were a surprising number <laughs> Remember this show, which is about shows about pilots? Oh, yes. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah, this show about pilots. Mm-hmm, the show that we were doing. The uh, cliffhangers, though. Uh-huh. I, uh, I, I really can see, you know, you could end an episode with a, with a sting, uh, like, a, like a button where Shere Khan takes possession of their little uh, shipping company. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? I like, like that Doo-doo-doo. you have two antagonists mm-hmm. in this that are very different types. You yeah. have the chaotic air pirate could attack at any minute for any reason almost mm-hmm. uh of of don carnage and you also have the sort of more imposing subtle threat of Shere khan who is just the most powerful businessman in the world who happens to live in cape suzette and uh has money and claws and is not his his malice isn't personal yeah which i think which i think is a really fun thing for a kid's show that's not something i'm used to see you know even by the end of this, it's not he's not like, damn you, Baloo! You yeah. Know? He actually, he watches Baloo do the last, like, bit of crazy flying to save the day. And he's like, that was a pilot to be reckoned with. Or something yeah, like, he thinks he, he thinks Baloo is crashed and probably yeah. dead. And he goes, it's a shame. It was a pilot yeah. to be reckoned with. He's like, mm, I could have used him. I yeah. will. But there's there's no personal animosity, which I, I thought was really fun. Because... He, the way the character's coded, it's like, oh, this is the big bad of the series. But yeah. at least by the by the point that we're at at the end of this 
pilot pilot, he he doesn't. He's not. Yeah, there might be episodes where he leverages Don Carnage against mm-hmm. our heroes. There might be episodes where he tries to leverage the our heroes against Don Carnage. Yeah. Like he's he's the the puppet master kind mm-hmm. of. Yeah, it's funny that I remembered Shere Khan. Obviously, he's actually from the Jungle Book, so makes him more memorable in the concept. But I remembered him as the antagonist. I had no memory of Don Carnage until we saw him in the intro getting a pineapple in his face. And I went, oh, yeah, that guy. I forgot there were air pirates. Oh. So nearly very, this just this side of sci-fi level air pirates. Yeah. Building lightning guns on their giant airships. Do you have any other uh, Cliff predictions? Um, no. Yeah, I think that the 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 best one that I could have thought of that I kind of had bouncing around my head until you said it was Shere Khan tries to you know kick them out of the the business somehow. He tries to take over the business. Why he would care about this little penny ante cargo company uh, is hard to say. But uh, yeah, it's uh, that's yeah that's that's where my brain was going. We are, we are, how you say, on the same page. Well, let's move on to our next segment then, which we like to call... What will this show be? In this segment, we discuss what we think the day-to-day nuts and bolts of the show will be episode to episode. This is exactly what it says on the tin. Mm-hmm. We've got to get some stuff from point A to point B. There's some bad guys in the way. Yeah, there may be a pirate. There may be a businessman who messes with our stuff. Um, we, we, we are slowly growing into a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, con artists appear in at least one episode. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. We should, those con we artists. Should, we should find those out. those con artists. <laughs> I don't know why I keep doing that bit. Yeah. I am genuinely surprised that the pilot was a getting the gang together thing. Although the fact that it was a TV movie, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you had just said, we're going to watch the pilot to Tailspin, I would kind of expect it to be like already in situ. Yeah. Uh, or maybe a little hint at like Rebecca coming in and taking over the business or something. But yeah, it being this full-fledged adventure movie yeah. was was not what I expected. And honestly, that concept... And more or less that same plot mm-hmm. with some tweaks for the, you know, not needing to break it into four uh, uh, to-be-continued cliffhangers could have been a feature film. Yeah. You could have just, honestly, you could have just removed the Jungle Book aspect. Mm-hmm. And it could have been its own unique thing. Yeah. it's It could have been a Don Bluth movie. Yeah, it. Th- 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 I mean, that's part of why this is so frustrating. Is like this. This could have been more. Yeah. And yet, it kind of settles into the, its own weird little groove. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon that that happened. This show. Speaking uh, of phenomena. Hey, Becca. In this segment, we talk about actors that we recognized. Obviously, this is just voices, and this is voices from a very particular period in our childhoods. Yeah. I mean, we already started this segment way earlier because... Yeah, I couldn't help is, myself. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Like, it was so exciting watching this because it... 
more than the animation, more than my memories of the show, it was these voices that just pulled me right back. So the yeah. fact that like, as we're getting into talking about the show and getting fired up about it, we started talking about the voices. Yeah. It makes sense. Like Jim Cummings and, and um, Frank, Welker, Frank Welker, Rob Paulson, Jack Angel did additional voices on this. Just like yeah. so many people who defined the audio landscape of my childhood yeah. showed up on this. And we cannot forget our Shere Khan in this. The oh, inestimable yeah. Tony J, who has wow. a voice. Yes, he is the absolutely quintessential baritone British villain voice. It is mwah. And this almost would have been my first experience of him had it not been for an audio drama series produced what? by Focus on the Family. Oh my goodness. Called Adventures in Odyssey, which I listened to, pun intended, religiously. <laughs> Every week with my sister. Uh, I've mentioned it Was on... Was it aired on the radio? It aired on the radio. So <sighs> I've mentioned on this podcast before that the thing, my introduction to serialized storytelling, like long form... It's the same characters in the same town and they reference events that happened in previous episodes and the world builds over time was this audio drama called Adventures in Odyssey. It took place in a town called Odyssey that was located somewhere in the heartland of America. Right, yeah. One of those vague towns. It's it's supposedly only a three-hour drive to Chicago, but then it's also only a three-hour drive to New York. I'll let you do the maths on that. <laughs> there must be somewhere that's a three-hour drive from both Chicago and, and New York. Uh, maybe I have a I, I have a bad geography brain. It's all right, especially given the fact that Odyssey is meant to be a town like Springfield on The Simpsons, where yeah, it's like yeah. it's located exactly in somewhere. Uh, but the the big bad on Adventures in Odyssey, who came back numerous times, was a man, an evil man named Regis. Blaggard. Wow. His last name was Blaggard. It's like, we're fine with this Blaggard. Like, yeah. And he was voiced by Tony J. Marvelous. And whenever he came out of the radio, it was like, ooh. This guy's bad news. Bad news. And one more thing about Tony J on that audio program. The character Regis Blaggard had a twin brother named Edwin who didn't want to be a villain. He just wanted to be an actor. Oh, beautiful. So there were numerous episodes where they would... Do you think would... he was named... Ugh, probably not. I was going to say, do you think he was named after Edwin Booth? But probably not. <laughs> probably expecting too much from this show. There were numerous episodes where Edwin was trying to get his dinner theater going and Aww. you would get Tony Buddy. J as like an over-the-top Shakespearean actor being like, yes. to be or not to be... Like, and it was just, like, such a thing. So, so, like, as soon as I heard his voice being like, yes, bring me the jewel, I was like, ah! That is delightful. I didn't recognize him from a specific role, but I thought, you know, I must have seen this guy in something. His name sounds so familiar. And then I looked it up, uh, and honestly, he's just been in a lot of things. Yeah. The most... Uh, notable role that he played of i mean i didn't do a deep dive and voice actors have notoriously uh, uh f- fickety uh, imdb <laughs> filmographies but uh 
the, his most notable role was one I didn't particularly, I've only seen once and didn't particularly care for, which is uh, in The Hunchback of Notre Dame as Frollo. Oh. For some people, a very prominent villain of their childhood. But I was like getting, I was aging out of Disney by the time that came out and I didn't particularly like it. That is, I, I know you're not a fan, but that is in my top five Disney villain songs of yeah. all time. Oh yeah, I've, I've heard the song and I can recognize it as uh, like a, a banger and a good villain song, but it doesn't grab me the way Poor Unfortunate Souls does because, I, yeah, it was just the wrong age. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are people my age who f- love that movie and think Frollo is the greatest villain of all time. It's not always about age, but yeah. I was in the right moment in my life where I was like, eh, Disney movies, whatever. So... Uh, yeah, and uh, quick uh, uh, acknowledgments uh, where they belong in this section instead of being blathered earlier for Rob Paulson, just straight up doing Yakko Warner as a random scientist who works for Shere Khan. Uh-huh. Uh, and about six different character voices that sounded familiar. And I went, eh, probably Frank Welker. Probably <laughs> Frank Welker. That was also probably Frank Welker. I'm just going to low-key assume. Probably some of them were Jack Angel. Yeah. But uh, his his name is less... He is less a, a figure in my personal pantheon. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact, if I've never mentioned it on the podcast before, uh, for many years, my dream was to one day own a trained acting dog named Frank Welker. It would be so confusing when you saw the credits. You'd be like, and Buddy was played by Frank Welker? That sounded like a real dog. Wow, Frank Walker's good. Anyway. Well, it's sort of like how nowadays Alan Tudyk gets all these roles as like a non-human animal making noises. Yeah, yeah. Like the, you know, there'll be like the, there's a toucan. The chicken in yeah. Uh, Moana. Yeah, and there's a toucan in uh, Encanto that just kind of goes, rah, rah. Alan Tudyk. Yeah. I love that because uh, Frank Welker, to my knowledge, has been almost exclusively a voice actor. He's probably done some screen roles, but like, that's his thing. But Alan Tudyk is like, known very, his face is known very well, especially uh, among certain genre fans. But yeah, it's, he's also very good at the animal noises. Well, shall we move on to our next segment? Yeah, let's do it. I choose you. In this segment, we talk about our favorite characters, the ones that most tickled our funny bone or the ones that we really want to see grow and flourish and become wonderful people or get a chance to do more than they did in the pilot or what have you. Um, It's hard with this being a show from my childhood, for me at least. I don't know about you. Do you have one character that just stood out? Uh... No, I, I, I will say that I have a lot of memories of Louis being a lot funnier and a lot more involved yes. in, in plot. Same. And in this, he, he's more of just kind of a, um, he's part of the window dressing. He's like, there to be like, see Jungle Book. Yeah. Like he's there because his bar is there. Yeah. But he doesn't really get a whole lot to do. He's just kind of, uh for Baloo to bounce some expo log off of and yeah. things like that. And to randomly have a loop in his pocket and be a jewel expert. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a role that he takes on at other points in the series too. He's sort of the guy, you know, you can be like, what is this thing? Yeah. And, well, know. I, I loved that because it came out of absolutely nowhere. Just like, Hey, Louie, you know what this uh, thing is? Give us in round numbers. How, what's it worth? You know? And he just pulls a loop out of his pocket and immediately starts looking at it. And it's like, 
on one hand, I was like, of course, this character just conveniently knows this. On the other hand, he also has a radio set up behind the bar, like elaborate, very elaborate radio setup. And it's like, you know what? There's a lot of pilots coming through here. Maybe some smugglers. Yep. Kind of makes sense. This guy would uh, know some things, yeah. you know. Maybe he's not only serving drinks. You know what I'm saying? And weirdly elaborate ice cream sundaes. Yeah, kind of the the um, balls. What's his name? The guy from Casablanca. The guy, the Humphrey Bogart. Rick. Rick. Sure. There's there's kind of a Rick vibe to Louis in over the series, as I vaguely remember that you don't really get from this pilot. Yeah, yeah, that he's just sort of he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. He's helping people do this and that. I was just wondering why uh, the ice cream sundae that he serves with sparklers in it is called a Krakatoa special. A Krakatoa. Mm-hmm. So I just looked Krakatoa it up. Krakatoa was a volcano. It was a volcano. Yeah. So I was just like, why is it called a Krakatoa special? I should look that up. Final verdict. Did this pilot about pilots... Do the job of a pilot about pilots and make you want to watch more shows about pilots. Thank you. <laughs> that is the question, paraphrased, <laughs> added to, that we always ask for our final verdict. Uh, this was very fun and nostalgic. And I think for a kid watching it, it totally would have made me want to watch more. I mean, obviously, I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a lot not having seen the pilot. But I think being a kid, if you, especially if you'd gotten a chance to see it in the theaters in that limited theatrical run they did, and then you were like, it's a TV show every Thursday in my living room? Like, I totally would have been on board. And I was, obviously. But as an adult watching it now, it was such a complete little story mm-hmm. that even though I wish there'd been more Louie, I don't know that I'm like champing at the bit to, yeah. to revisit more of this. If it happened to me, I wouldn't be upset. If I was suddenly, like, my roommate was like, I uh, want to rewatch every episode of Tailspin, and I'm willing to pay for Duplass to do it, yeah. I'd go, all right, I guess this is happening. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, there, there's no... I, I feel weird being lukewarm on watching more of this after yeah. having such a good time watching what I just watched. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where I feel like I got the nostalgia hit yeah. Of seeing it again, of seeing these characters again, of seeing sort of the the wacky way that physics works in this world, you know all the th- all the things, uh, and I I know that if I watched more of it, it would be very much a diminishing returns sort of thing. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that this is one of those early '90s shows that you you do some research on and you find out that episodes were written by people who went on to write amazing things later. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's sort of like you, you find out that all of the best episodes of the first season of The X-Files were written by Vince Gilligan, who mm-hmm. eventually went on to make Breaking Bad and also write more of the good episodes of X-Files. Yeah. Uh, there's some guy named Chris who wrote some episodes of X-Files. Not super good. But the point I'm, I'm making is that like... Wanted to get in a dig on Chris. I'm just not Chris. a fan of Chris. His episodes are not as good. Hey, he uh, tried his best. We can't all be Vince Gilligan. <laughs> Oh, from your lips to God's ears, my friend. <laughs> I think the reason I'm mentioning that, talking about Tailspin, is that this is such a, a bizarre world. Again, you know, you, you sort of you lose track of it, you lose sight of it as you talk about it, and you kind of settle into its vibe. But it's so weird that uh, I feel like there's a lot of room for writers to come in and just do 
absolutely insane, you know, who done it, you know, got to get them like film noir spoofs, you know, with this, I, I would be willing to bet that there are like straight up pastiches of movies from the thirties and forties uh-huh. right? in yeah. episodes of this. And it's like, like if there is an, if I, if I could find out, a, you know, sort of look through it and find out that like, there's an episode where they just straight up do Casablanca. <laughs> like I would love to watch that. Sure. Um, a romantic flame from Baloo's past comes to Cape Suzette. Yeah. Or, but you know, it might be even a little bit more, it might be like the previous owner pilot of the sea duck comes to Cape Suzette, you know, and then is like, ah, yes, this plane and I went through a lot together and Baloo's all like confused. That's a little more like uh, Baloo lands on this floating uh, city in the clouds, which could totally exist in this universe Mm -hmm. and uh, meets an old friend of his with a nice cape and a snazzy mustache who... I see where you're going. <laughs> Maybe lost the sea duck to Baloo in a in a in a game of of diesel punk poker. Exactly. Like yeah. I I I have no proof of this, but something tells me there are at least a couple of episodes of Tailspin that do something that nuts. And you know, it's like way out of left field. Like they actually get Billy D. Williams to voice that old friend of Baloo's. Sure. You know, it's like some fun little thing but i don't know and if i'm being totally honest i don't think i ever will do the legwork to find out about that but you know you never know especially if one of our listeners is like oh my god i know the episode you're describing holy shit you gotta watch episode uh 61 they do this whole thing where it's it's just straight up uh lost boys or something you know it's just like (laughs) what even right you know i mean as long as you mentioned episode 61 a note for the listeners this show only ran for one season, and how many episodes did it have? Like sixty-five. Sixty-five, counting counting the four that four part. Yeah, yeah. Four part but like, that. them's a lot of episodes. Yeah. For a single season. Wild. Yeah, absolutely wild. TV. Dot com. <laughs> absolutely wild TV. Dot com. That's that should be a, a website. Uh, it's like a, a, a somebody's trying to have like a um, a rival to the Girls Gone Wild yeah franchise like absolutelywildtv.com and it's like we're it's not just top sometimes we have topless girls but also sometimes we have like a gorilla attacking a guy or like someone getting eaten by a boa constrictor I don't or know. maybe it's like a, a, a like a sort of cut rate attempt to compete with America's Funniest Home Videos <laughs> yeah absolutely wild tv they're not all funny some of them are crazy or like scary well remember that where it used to be there used to be those infomercials with like sports bloopers and you'd like oh yeah it was like 1999 you get like a video cassette of just like a bunch of whatever uh absolutely wild tv.com is the website where you can just order all of those vhs from <laughs> yes oh my god strangely You've just hit about a gold mine. <laughs> we'll be rich. I tell Forget you. about this podcast. Let's go start AbsolutelyWildTV.com. And on that note. Bye. 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 You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at PilotHousePod, visit our website, PilotHousePodcast.com, or email us at PilotHousePodcast at gmail.com to suggest future topics. Please share this episode with someone or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. 
It helps people find the show. Our podcast is entirely listener-supported, so thanks to our special guest stars, Cynthia, Tina, and Juniper. Visit patreon.com slash pilothouse to find out how you can become a series regular. Pilot House is a Herringbone Society production. Open the Bombay doors, please, Hal. No! Don't you have any decency? I am a pirate. I don't do decency. <laughs> April foolishness! <laughs> <laughs>